This is Purple Radio On Demand. Welcome to Purple on Toast, a monologue podcast from Butter Toast Theatre Company and Purple Radio. Our first piece of this episode is Megan, written and directed by Maeve Moran, performed by Eleanor Chris. Hey mom, I think I'm speaking to you a little later tonight. It might just be a change in the tide or the weather. Every time I come out here, Dusk seems to take longer and longer to stretch out over all those patchy corners in the sky. They're still there in places, sometimes, well after I return to camp and stare at the stars for hours. Well, maybe it's hours. Nighttime feels like minutes here sometimes. I used to sleep all day in the summers, do you remember? You were disgusted. I don't think you've forgotten. It's like that here. It is the feeling that anything could happen at any time of day or night, and every time I wake up to screeching birds, or a headache, or Nate and Jody getting at each other's throats again, I could have blinked, or been sleeping for years. I didn't think a lot about how difficult telling the time would be until recently. Given how much time we've spent napping in the shade, I still can't believe it took us so long to start marking the days. Without that, I would be sure I had slept right through a dusk like this. This has become easier every day. I promise. It's become easier to sense dusk and follow it down here to talk to you. I've even found myself starting to notice just the right scent in the air. A cool chill that cuts the burnt fish out of dinner and draws me from the others at just the right time, so that they're settling down and let me go alone. That instinct makes me feel better. It reminds me of sitting in the library at uni, when my study playlist would end right at the same time the smoky blue outside would blink and disappear into black. Even as I'm speaking to you, oh, I, I wish you were here to see it. The sunset. It's nothing like our holidays. The tide starts retreating just as I meet it, drawing me out, tugging gently at my toes and taking the sun out with it. I can feel the salt drying, prickling at my legs, sparking, like it's traveled for a hundred years and latched onto me like a life raft. I think you might already be on your way to work by now, but that's alright, that's okay. For now, I'll suppose you're still having your morning coffee, burnt toast, and marmalade. I know you're still going to work. Uh, Anyway, here's my story for today. I don't know if you remember, but last week I told you about Nick's project. He's gone and tried to ferment some of the extra berries we picked our first few days here. I mean, you could call it recycling, or even something to look forward to, if it had worked. I'll admit, I've imagined Nick calling us all together one day to watch him produce a couple of your deep maroon Cabernet Sauvignons from the mixture, bottle and all. The idea of wasting food is unbearable, so I really don't blame him for trying. So, 
After all the time we spent these past few days dragging wreckage up from the rocks in the baking sun, he seemed to just snap. As you can imagine, we were all thirsty and sick of the rationing, but Nick was probably suffering the most. He shouted at all of us and started throwing the wreckage back into the sea, nearly tossing me as well when I tried to stop him, then proudly declared he was going to go get pissed. Of course, I've never seen Nick like this. In all the time I've known him, he's never been aggressive or impulsive. I've always been a little bit intimidated by his lack of emotion, actually. It's just so hard to read him because he makes everything a joke, you know. But today wasn't the first time he's broken a little. It wasn't so strange until now, with so much to think. But he and I have been friends for, what, three years now since we broke up? without ever mentioning or speaking about that time at all. I'm not sure we'll be able to accomplish that here. At least, I won't. Anyway, I'll tell you what happened. He ran right for the barrel of berries all the way back at camp. It's only been a week since he began the fermentation and he's been slaving over it, heating it and whatever else he's been trying. But when we caught up, he was pulling it open pulling it apart entirely. And, oh, the smell. Mom, it was ridiculous. We all just stood there in stark silence for a minute, and he paused too, fuming, eyes watering at the smell. And Damien apparently just couldn't help it and let out a massive laugh. And that was it. We were screaming. Nick just hollered out, for fuck's sake. And right there in front of us, he lifted the whole thing and dumped the mess right over his head, chugging the entire contents of the barrel, mold and vinegar and all, like it was a bloody light cider down the pub. We were beside ourselves. Of course, we were worried he was going to contract a disease or something. But after he was sick for hours this morning, I'm quite sure he's just been pouting ever since. Ugh, it was the funniest thing. Today was different though, Mom. I know I've said that a few times now, but I really felt hopeful. It wasn't about the rescue this time, even though it usually is. And I am desperate. We're all desperate for the helicopter to appear. But instead, I think I was relaxing for a while. I know you couldn't understand, but there were moments this afternoon that didn't feel all that different to moments at uni. If we had had a few beers, or the fucking wine, or just some music, we could have been out at the pub. We were just talking. About each other, about history, about missing home. Feels like so long since I spoke to you. It has been. It has been a long time now. Two minutes or ten. All these nights. All these days. I've come down here, watched the sun slip and melt, tugging us further and further away. The last glow ladles itself into the sea every night, and I stand here until I can't anymore. 
until I can feel the chill close over the boiling sea, until I'm just following wisps sweeping across the moon, teasing unnatural white like headlights, until I can't look anymore and return to camp for the relief of a home. I've never spent this much time outside. You know what I'm like. The truth is, I love to breathe in the beach. I love to stare out at the distance for a moment, as if standing on a cliff, and then wrap myself in a blanket and turn away and go home. I've thought about laying here, dipping into the surf, into the sand that's been so constant in its pull. Slowly and surely, drawing me along the horizon with the sun until I fall asleep. I think it's going to be a long time. Up next is 100 Calls a Week, written by Gregory Vines, directed by Harry Jenkins, and performed by Adela Hernandez Derbyshire. The proposal. It's 30 pages. And that's just the introduction. Further on, I talk about cycles of violence, lives transformed by European Union initiatives here in Britain. Only now, with just 34% of MPs being women, the huge challenge is to... No. Okay. No. Right. Is it the money? I know it seems a lot, but it's over three years. I can break it down. No. No. Right. Of course, right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Perhaps if I could read the stories I've collected at the back and the appendices, the mothers there, grandmothers, daughters, dig around in my notes, all the workers, lovers, what night stands, unique perspectives. Much better than a crusty academic trying to explain it all with a research proposal. Melanie, 45. Melanie, age 45 from Barnet, is a helpline manager. I've heard everything, you know, love. Every single thing. I've heard no money. The middle class. Teenagers. They have loads of money. 
They talked about grannies, women beaten, kicked, spat on. Heard it all. But it's the volume we can't cope with. The sheer bloody numbers. A good week, 100 calls. You ought to be here, Premier Games. Cup final day. Boom. Claire considers herself a survivor. They kept saying, You didn't look like a battered woman, Claire. Battered? That's an old one. And as low as I actually was, I actually laughed. This was my mother and sister talking. Mum said, But Keith's a charmer, dear. Those white teeth, all straight and clean and always a twinkle. My sister chipped in, of course. And what about his master's degree, Claire? Chemistry? My mum and my sister. So I told them. I told them about the first time he'd punched me. Punched me straight in the face. Our daughter was one week old. And boy, was I tired. Couldn't keep my eyes open. But Keith said, I looked at a man. At the shops. In Waitrose. I knew I didn't. Because I always, and I mean, always, I always walk with my head right down if Keith was around. Then one day, me, out of nowhere, when he did it again, I said, That's it. That is it, Keith. That's the last time you'll ever do that. He laughed. That deep belly laugh of his. And I thought, shit. I really have got to do it now. I had one phone call. But they answered. They are out there. You've just got to be able to find them. Yes, yes, that, that's the full amount. That would cover it all. This has been Purple on Toast. Tune in next week for two more original monologues. Thank you for listening. Purple Radio Podcasts. Thanks for downloading this Purple Radio Podcast. For more great content and to listen live, head to purpleradio.co.uk.